We finally reached March, which, as far as we know, means Toronto FC should be back in action this month. As always, absolutely nothing set in stone, but we anticipate the club playing against Forge in the Canadian Championship final later this month. Even if that game isn't played, we've got World Cup qualifying and Olympic qualifying to look forward to as well this month. So it should be a busy schedule for us here on Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and not to bury the lead too much, we've got a pretty big guest on this week's show. Um, so we'll bring him on immediately here. Toronto FC defender on loan currently with HB Koje in the, the Danish league, Rocco Romeo. Um, very excited to have him um, Hey, guys. Rocco, how you doing? Good. How are you? That's yeah, great, Rocco. yeah. Thanks. Thanks so yeah, I mean, Mitch is, Mitch's son's out, guns out, so... Obviously, it's March the first. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still minus telling, ten, but the, the sun's here. So, <laughs> I was telling Rocco before he came on, man. I wore this for him. He's a hometown kid, so I had to represent. It's a Richmond Hill Raiders track jacket. Jeff was asking before, so shout out to our Richmond Hill boy over here, Rocco Romeo. Thanks for joining us, man. I, I'm also a Richmond Hill boy. I I, I listened to that. Uh, that first scrum that you sent about five minutes before we started. So I had to jam it in, but I, but I heard the Richmond Hill uh, uh, shout and uh, I need one of those jackets. Where does, where does one go to get one? Richmond Buddy, Hill Raiders? Exclusive. Buddy, exclusive. <laughs> exclusive content here. All right. Yeah. Let, let's get right into things though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How, uh, uh, how are things going? I mean, obviously your second stint with uh, with Koje right now. Um, you know, what have you learned from from the first spell that's kind of set you up for for success uh, this time around? Um, yes, yeah, so this is my second time around here in Denmark. Um, the first time was a really good experience for me. Um, I was only 18 years old at the time, so it was kind of a big change for me uh, moving overseas on my own. Um, but the club over here was very accommodating with uh, where I was staying and transportation as well on the on the pitch in terms of training and in matches. Everyone was very welcoming and, uh, you know, the team took me in with open arms and being put into a new environment, especially overseas. And, you know, you're playing with men, um, you know, you kind of have to, you know, show show how you can play to earn their respect. Um, so, you know, I, I was very happy, uh, you know, that I got the playing time that I did and like the, the success that the team did. And, um, it was, it was fantastic for me because I did develop, um, as a footballer and also as a man, because, you know, living on your own at such a young age and having to, you know, take care of yourself, do your own things, not have mom and dad doing it for you all the time. Um, you know, it really, it really, uh, matured me in more of a, more of an adulthood aspect and then coming home um having the season with tfc2 you know it was it was uh it was different it was different uh the level the level is uh is different compared to the danish first division to usl league one um but still it, it was it was good um you know it was good to be back home um and then unfortunately with everything that happened with covid uh last year um, I got sent back out here, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been different from the first time for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the experiences have, have been fantastic. Uh, it's like a completely different team now. Um, a lot of new players from the last time, new coach too. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's 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 been it's been different, 
And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying myself every day though, you know. Uh, a lot of people can't play football right now due to COVID-19. So I'm very happy that, you know, I can, I can I can still get up in the morning, get ready for training, have matches and whatnot. That's what I was going to say. Like you're right now the only Toronto C first team member that's out on loan. But in a way, that's not a, that's not a bad thing at all because you've had this opportunity a bit more than perhaps some of the other young guys. Isn't that true? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I've even spoken to uh, most of the young guys back home and, uh, you know, they say it's it's difficult right now because, like, they can't compete. You know, the only time you can really compete or, you know, get some sort of sense of, like, a game realistic thing is, like, training. And Mm -hmm. sometimes they're not even doing that. Um, You know, in the first half of the season here when Noble, Noble Okello came over, um, it was it was really nice to see a familiar face and even uh, him and I got to train together and even pl- play in a match together as well. So it kind of, uh, you know, was a bit a bit more welcoming. For sure. You guys like grew up together and then you sort of made that jump overseas. That's pretty yeah. that's pretty insane. Like you get to go like live overseas with, you know, I don't want to say he's one of your best friends, I don't put words in it, but like a person you at least grew up with, and you're familiar with. And that's, to me, that's, that's an insane kind of dream for a youngster growing up, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was, um, it was kind of crazy because we, we played a game um, in, in another, in another city. And uh, it was unfortunate because I actually got a red card that game in like the 90th <laughs> minute. But we Did were you score the- as well? No, I, it was that was the cup game. The, that was a different uh, record that he got. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, after the game, Noble and I were just sitting in the locker room, and like everyone else was like, you know, celebrating, doing their thing, and uh, like we both just looked at each other, and we were like, we just like gave each other a nod. Yeah, and yeah. It was kind of like a you know surreal moment right there, but no, he's he's a very 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 good friend of mine. We've as you said, we've grown up together. We've been through the all the ranks together, so. You know that that was a pretty cool experience. Right on, right on. I, I'm I'm just loving the the Danish architecture in your flat there. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty sweet. Um, your story reminds me of a book that I got turned on to uh, during COVID times. It's uh, Bobby Warsaw's uh, tome. Bobby Warsaw, of course, uh, was an analyst for uh, MLS for a while. He uh, he bounced around the league, and it's all about his experiences playing uh, overseas. And I, I do think with a few stops in Denmark. So if you're looking for something to read, that might be a, a decent shout. Um, I want to talk. I mean, I want to talk about TFC a little bit. And uh, you know, listening to the scrum, I know that you uh, you grew up as a fan. How how special was it to to sign that that contract? It was. Honestly, it's probably one of the biggest things that's happened in my football career right now. Um, you know, a lot of kids who are from Toronto and like are from Ontario, um, you know, they take they take a lot of pride in uh, in saying, "Yeah, I'm from Toronto and I play for Toronto FC." Even in the in, in my academy days, you know, when I have like my school friends or even like random people who see me at the gym, and I tell them, "Oh, I play for the TFC Academy." Like they would look at you differently and be like, okay, like you know, this guy's like serious. Um, but yeah, that that day when um, when I signed my first team contract, it was you know, I I knew it was coming, but you know, I knew that the hard work, you know, the hard work is gonna start now. You know, um, even going even growing up, there's only like a very little percentage of professional footballers who actually make it to the top, and 
it's like everyone gets to that same level, but what like who has the X factor? Who's gonna be playing? And sure, like I envision myself playing in the MLS and you know getting consistent games, but I want to take it a step further and be great. Like I, I always um, had this background of like my parents always saying like you know strive for greatness. You're made for greatness. So that's something that my family and I have never um, shied away from or never you know just turned our heads to that we always um, take with full force and heads heads on. Right on. We got a question from producer Kev. Yeah, we might as well that bring that up right now. Uh, I'll read it out. It's uh, thanks for joining the show, Rocco. What was different about the level between Denmark and the USL League One? Um, the biggest difference would probably be that um, the pay, the pace of the game, and also like the 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 technicality and the tactics. Um, over here in Denmark, um, you know, every game is is a struggle. Um, because you know you, every weekend or every week um you know you you never know what kind of game you're getting into or what kind of result you're getting into uh typically in usl like you know you would know like some teams is going to be like an easier game or some games you know if you're going to have more ball possession um but o- over here it's just like you have to really um you know fight you have to really go into the battle and um you know really de- like earn earn your wins um, right. And also the, the technicality and and uh, the quality of the players is much, like much much higher um, over here in Europe compared to USL League One. And it's not a bad thing either. It's just how right. you know the culture is. You know, over here in Europe, it's everything's football. And compared to Canada and the US, you know, you have a lot of other opportunities, whether it be basketball, football, even education in some aspects. Mm. Makes sense. And of course, yeah, we're joined by Toronto FC's Rocco Romeo, um, center back, what, 21 years old now? 20 years old? I'm turning um, 21 at the end of the month, actually. Turning 21 oh at God. the end of the month. <laughs> wow, you boomer, man. You boomer. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's Romeo. It's Romeo, isn't it? Not Rocco Romeo. Romeo. Yeah. Good call. Yes. yes. Good catch. Just think, um, of, just think of the joke that I that I keep making, the Shakespeare <laughs> joke, the obvious Romeo in Denmark Shakespeare joke, and it'll be fun. I'm sure he gets it all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> Looking over your shoulder there, like it's nighttime there in Denmark. So we really appreciate you taking the time here to join us. Um, Chris Armas, new Toronto FC head coach. It's almost like a, a different start, isn't it? Have you gotten the chance to spoke to Chris Armas? And if so, what is he, what has he said to you? Yeah. Um, Chris, uh, Chris gave me a call. Um, I think maybe early February. Um, and it was just him, him and I introducing each other over the phone um you know it was a good it was a good conversation uh he he had a lot going on still in terms of uh actually getting to toronto due to, due to <laughs> covid and and everything but uh yeah like i i asked him about the the vision that he wants to go into and uh, his plans for the club and you know we had a very open and honest conversation about what he expects and uh also me telling him what kind of a player i am mm-hmm. um you know so you know yeah, he's 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 a high quality coach. You know, he he has a history of developing young players and getting results with young players, like pushing to MLS playoffs and even going for, making a deep playoff run. Um, so you know, when when I got the news, yeah, I did a little bit of homework and background. So I was very uh, very excited, very excited in the way that the direction that the club is moving in, and. Um, 
yeah, when, when I when I finish my loan, of course, I'm going to be looking forward to, you know, make an impact in the team and have a good first impression on the coach and, uh, you know, just, you know, be be a key role in, in the squad. Mm-hmm. And- You're going to be surprised how terrible Carlsberg tastes over here after uh, having the real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rocco, uh, what kind of oh. what kind of player did you did you tell Chris Armis that you are and how would you describe yourself as a player to, to the fans? Um, I would say that I'm a very vocal, loud presence. Um, myself being, I'm a tall guy, so myself being six, like six foot four, um, you know, people notice you and people will always be like, oh, like, you know, who's that freakishly tall guy or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would just, I would, uh, you know, me being a center back too, uh, I, I need to be like the, the focal point in the team, like always like directing people and uh, making sure everything is organized. Um, as well, like I would describe myself as like a more modern day center back. So like I say, like I'm pretty technical with my feet and I'm, I'm comfortable being on the ball and, you know, whether it be taking the ball forward or even hitting a couple of diagonals. Um, yeah, like I can, like I can do it consistently and do it, do it good. Um, as well, like me being tall, I'm good in the air. So my aerial battles, um, and I'm really, I'm really starting to like fill into my body now. And because uh, before, like when I was young, I used to be like a skinny kid and whatever. Um, so now, like you know, I'm starting to fill into my body and like you know, be more aggressive. And uh, and yeah, like that, you know, I'm a very, I'm a very fun, fun guy. Like uh, I like fun to guy. Be, I like fun to guy. Be, That's a deep yeah, that guy. plays well in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I like to be loud. I like to be like I love football at the end of the day. So, you know, every day is a blessing for me and I give all my, all my success and glory to the, to the Lord. And uh, yeah, like I, I'm just, you know, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, one thing I want to, oh, yeah, go ahead. Jeff, actually, well, just to interject, I think somebody on your team needs to edit your Wikipedia page because they list you as six foot two inches. So they took, yeah, two man, inches they're, they're, they're violating me. I, I oh, wow. That's slander. <laughs> that's slander. <laughs> and the other one is, is I listened to your first scrum and uh, your four idols are uh, Maldini, Van Dyke, Ramos, and David Luiz. I, I'm a gunner, and uh, I don't even understand the David Luiz show. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love the David Luiz show. Is it just his weirdo free kicks that maybe occasionally uh, no. score no, bangers? No, no, no. Okay. His touch, his composure, his go ahead. No, ability I, I, to I, 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 chaos I, I, out of nothing. Yeah, I was following David Luiz since uh, since Chelsea won since Chelsea beat Bayern in the Champions League final. So David Luiz was always like a center back kind of like CDM. So he was very very technical, very calm on the ball, and uh, you know that's something I like. You know I I took from him and even his diagonals and his composure and the way like how he like is not afraid to get stuck in sometimes. Yeah. Um, but compared to the other three. Um, I say I say four, like I can't name one because I take something from each one of those four. So mm-hmm. David Luiz, for example, is like you know his calmness and like uh, his techni- his technical uh, technical ability, whether to hit uh, straight diagonal or if the diagonal is like curving to the fullback and whatnot. Yeah, I think one thing about David Luiz is when he came on the scene, like people were like, "Wow, that guy's different." That guy is, is not really a natural center back, and it's cool that you kind of take that from his game because I believe you grew up playing as a holding midfielder before. Yeah, he, it was a, yeah. He made yeah. that switch over to center back, so it's cool that you have that sort of inspiration there. Um, 
what I want to get back at is is that homegrown kind of aspect. I remember you telling me that you you had your parents had season tickets back in 2016, 2017. Obviously, those were the glory days of Toronto C. Can you just tell me what that emotion was like when you were sitting in that stadium and TFC was, you know, winning that treble? You're part of the uh, academy then. Uh, was he yeah. a ball boy? Were you a volunteer ball boy for any games? Uh, I, I was. The- I was like for some of the like regular season games, um, but never like for any playoff games or anything like that. Um, but yeah, going back to your question, yeah, it was um, it was kind of insane. I'll, I'll be sorry. I think that's like the best way to put it. Um, yeah. Because like my as as I said before, speaking to you, uh, my dad actually got season tickets for my sister and I, and also my godfather. Um, so every, every weekend or every week, like during the summer, like we would go, uh, we would go and like, we'd have our seats and uh, yeah, it was, it was ins- like insane because the club was playing some like really, really high quality football. And, you know, we were blowing teams out like three, four, like sometimes like five nil. Oh, we remember. We were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, like it was kind of it was a very unique moment for me because the club before like wasn't really known as, uh, you know, a championship winning organization. So during that spell of like, you know, when we were making deep playoff runs and, you know, reaching the MLS final and not winning. And I was at that game and I like I remember I was like, I was like, damn, man, like it was right. It was like it was right there. Like it was set up for us and everything. But then, um, you know, also being a part of the organization and like seeing the first team guys and like, their philosophy for that 2017 year and seeing how like they grinded and uh, how they were never satisfied. And they were and I think the theme for that year was redemption. Um, and, uh, you know, I did get the opportunity to train with the first team that year in 2017 some, on some occasions and the quality and like the you know, you could see like the fire in their eyes for you know for that you know 2017 was their year and then um yeah like i went to i went to the the mls final with uh with my family and uh you know i was kind of like joking around with my dad because i was standing on my seat and i was like dad like i'm jumping i'm jumping over (laughs) (laughs) and then after after i like i I thought in my head again and i was like no like it's not my time like i I said like i want to be on the pitch when that happens, I don't want to be like a fan running on the field. So, you know, then also I actually went to the parade with my mom. I skipped school, um, skipped school that day. And uh, it's kind of, it's kind of weird now though, because it's like, you know, uh, 2017, like I was just like a fan in the Academy and like now these guys are my teammates. So it's kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a like full, full circle type thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah it's pretty amazing. Uh so, True homegrown story, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to condense all of my because I'm never going to be in in an academy. I'm never going to be in a football academy, uh, <laughs> and I'm never going to be in, in in TFC's academy. So I want I want the scoops. Um, but specifically, when you said you got to train uh, with the first team uh, during the 2017, does that mean you were on Team Benoit Cheru playing against the first team? Um. What do, you, what do you mean, Team Ben Washer? Well, wasn't he the captain of the second team when you guys trained? Again, I've never been in, an, in a TFC academy. Benoit was like a first-team player. Um, and yeah, I, know right, right. I know sometimes they'll uh, send some first-team guys down to play in TFC 2 for some matches, whether mm-hmm. to be at game fitness or just to prepare them 
for you know the Canadian Championship or pre- prepare for a game on the weekend. Um, but no, like sometimes like I like we would train in, in earlier in the morning, so around like maybe. I don't know, nine or 10. And then in the middle of the session, like uh, Jim Liston uh, would like come over to our field and be like, okay, we need X, Y, Z players to come join our training. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, so they would just pull us from our session. We go join the first team session or even we would finish our, our TFC two session. And then you'd have to go train another session with the first team. Oh, I um, love it. Yeah. yeah I so love it. Honestly, is- any- sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, how was it like going up against like a Josie, a Seba, players like that? How were, how were those yeah, experiences no, for you? Um, uh, obviously, my first time, you know, it's a bit, you know, uh, intimidating, um, I'd say, because, you know, the like Josie, like, come on. I was like 16, 17 years old and like I'm like some like scrawny kid who's got to defend like this, like, you know, this beast. <laughs> um you know but no then uh, you know i've like as i said before like the guys are are welcoming you know they bring you in um you know um it's like kind of like this it's kind of similar to when i went on my loan spell uh in denmark the first time you have to play to earn their respect you have to show what you can bring to the, bring to the team and then as that happens you know then then yeah you, you know yeah you show your quality you know they they'll be able to trust you more on the ball than even off the ball and uh, yeah, I was I'm was very thankful to, you know, be be a part of that and go up and down, train train sometimes, not train sometimes, with the first team. And yeah, it was it was a great great experience for me. Rock Any up, other cool stories before, before we let you go? Oh, uh, hmm. before we let you go here, I did want to ask quickly about the uh, Olympic <laughs> qualifying. Um, you were on the the 50 man preliminary roster. Obviously, I'm not gonna ask you any more about the final roster because I don't even know if that's been decided yet, but I don't want to get you in trouble, but I did want to ask about Canada in general and with all the games coming up for the national team and all the different competitions, um, where is that on your radar and, you know, the importance of of getting into that Canada team? Yeah, it's been like my top priority, honestly. Um, You know, I haven't been a part with the national team since the under twenties, the CONCACAF. So, you know, it's kind of, it, it's been a while and honestly, it's been like on my mind a lot lately. And, um, you know, I've really been wanting to, you know, represent the, the men's team. Um, so, you know, I just keep my head down and I just, you know, keep working, keep grinding, um, fight, fight for minutes to get playing time and, you know, um, give, give the Canada staff something to look at and show something that they need or something that they don't have already. Um, and yeah, it's been on the forefront of my mind because, you know, like I, I want to represent my country. I want to, um, I want to be a part of that squad and be a part of that team who, who has these ambitions of, of going to the Olympics or even qualifying for the world cup. Um, and you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm, I'm at the standard, I'm at the level that they need and I can bring something different to the table and a different mentality, whether it be, you know, just being an absolute animal of a defender and, uh, you know, bringing, bringing, bringing my spark to the team because I know I have a unique, a un- uniqueness about me that, you know, that doesn't come around often. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like, like I said, it's been on the forefront of my mind. And, um, and as you said, it, it is exciting times. So, you know, hopefully everything works out and whatnot. And if not, then, you know, it's fine. We keep going. Uh, mm-hmm. keep my head down. We keep working. And, uh, you know, we we wait for another opportunity. 
interesting to think about because you're on loan over there in Denmark. Do you think it's tougher to perhaps get that that notice, that exposure since you're in Denmark versus, you know, players who are, you know, playing locally perhaps? Um, if I have to be completely honest, um, it no, doesn't you don't matter. Have to be. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally think that um, it doesn't matter how old you are or where you're playing. Um, as long as you have the quality and as long as you're showing up every day like to the best of your ability and you're and you're giving them no reason not to pick you um you know i don't see why not someone shouldn't get selected it doesn't matter if i'm on loan playing in denmark or if someone's playing in like labia or someone's playing back home in toronto or in montreal if you have the quality and you you show them no reason why you shouldn't get selected then you know it is what it is What's that? What's that? John Herdman saying? If you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. So I think that that's it, pretty. Are we are we saying it's thing. John Herdman's quote now? I believe yeah, it's officially his and association <laughs> football. I, I, I didn't even know that, but <laughs> we, we've we've been trying to say that correctly on the show for multiple weeks. We get it wrong every time, but I think we if, finally got it right. If you're there. good so, enough, you're old enough. I'm pretty sure yeah, that's it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. But Rocco, thank you, thank you so much for joining. Thank us. you so much, Rocco. Really man, this, yeah. was, this was wonderful. Really, 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 really. Is there anything else that you want to get off your chest before we let you off? Because you're getting cut off at this point, Rocco. <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, I want to thank you guys for the opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to to be on this platform. Um, I hope I hope all you guys are staying safe during this time, and you know, hopefully, I'll see you guys uh, sooner or when I get back home. Cheers, man. Thanks for you too as well. Yeah. All right. Take care. Talk soon, man. Of course, that was Rocco Romeo. A uh, Rocco Romeo. Romeo. Toronto FC Loney over there overseas in Denmark so thanks again to Rocco for joining us we're excited to see Mm -hmm. um, not only his story here as he tries to vie and crack that Olympic roster but also when he comes back in June and you know Mm -hmm. you know Toronto FC's we can talk about Canada's depth at center back how that has question marks and you know Toronto FC's depth at center back also has question marks so perhaps Rocco Romeo maybe is Rocco Romeo is one of those answers and Jason, Jason saying, yeah, he's great. He's future captain. Honestly, my first impression of him, uh, media scrum first day that he signed that contract, I felt the same way because what Here comes Gab word- with the save, by the way, sir, Matt Busby. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what I was saying was the words that, that Rocco was, was talking about was like, he's, he kept on saying winning and leader. It wasn't about him. He refused to make it about him. Mm-hmm. He, he, just made it only about the team. And that's crazy for a 19 year old at the time. Um, it, it just shows that like, I think he, he understands and men- mentally he's there and that's such a huge step, mm-hmm. such a huge factor for a young kid. And uh, I'm excited to see uh, where, where he goes. Yeah. Let's I mean, on if the, you uh... sent me at 18 years old to, to Denmark all by myself, I would be, a, <laughs> it would be a wonderful weekend, but I don't think I'd be human by Monday. So <laughs> Yeah. A lot of growing up. They do a lot of growing <laughs> up. Yeah. Uh, what's Armstrong, uh, what is it, 1302? Whose shirt is he trolling? Is, is it right. a Mike shirt? Um, could, could be if, I could guess, if I had to or... guess, I'd say Mitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, I mean, um, both Mitch and Mike have cut me off this episode, which is hilarious. I love it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I, I did want to touch on the uh, Olympic qualifying roster because I think that kind of picks on, up on a lot of things we were talking about. Um, sure. I think it's going to be really interesting because, as Chris Armas said, 
um, in, in a scrum this week. The Canadian Championship final might be played on March 20th, which is a day after the March 19th expected you know Canada's first game at, at Olympic qualifying. So is, no, it, no, no, isn't Olympic qualifying 25th? No, that's Canada. That's a uh, World Cup qualifying. That's World Cup qualifying. Yeah, March what a year, is boys! When, is when Let's Olympic go. qualifying starts. <laughs> so, who needs sleep? And recovery? As much as we're excited about that, how many Toronto FC guys are, are going to be there? Because you'd have to expect anyone. Again, they have to start what three Canadians in that Canadian Championship final. So, anyone who reasonably can be expected to play in that game probably is not going to. Canadian national team camp or yeah, for, for the Olympics. Um, there, there's guys that Armas has singled out in terms of who he likes Schaffelberg, who's, who'd be one of the, one of the names that I've penciled in on that Olympic roster. I can't see Frazier going. I don't know about Preso. like all of a sudden Canada is going to have a really tough time putting together a roster for this competition. Yeah. That, that's what Chris Armas was hinting at um, when he spoke to media yesterday. And he was saying there's, there's a bunch of factors that the team has to take into account as to whether or not it's best for the player. Um, we, we talk about, yeah, sure, that, that one Canadian championship game. I don't even think that's the biggest concern. It's more so the, the games that are building up after that. We talk about uh, the Champions League. April 6th is when TFC would hypothetically have to play Club Lyon, but if they can right. get past Forge. Um by the time the kids come back from Olympic qualifying, are they going to be quarantined, ready to partake in that match? I, I don't know if that's that's obviously some of the logistics they have to work over. Um, you talk about a few people that were dealing with injuries. Liam Frazier obviously had that ankle injury, which kept them out of January camp. So I, I don't imagine TFC would be too keen on letting him go, and especially during a, a condensed season like we have. Um, and there are some other young guys that, that potentially... Canada might veto, and again, uh, Chris Armas was saying that people, a couple of them, might have picked off like slight knocks, and it's just not worth the risk. Um, but I'm interested to see who that list is because obviously the likes of Jaquil Marsarudi, Jaden Nelson, Ralph Preso, they're all going to, or they, Canada would like them to be there. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of does TFC feel that that's best for them as well? Well, from a Canada soccer perspective, too, you know. You, you, as we said, this date hasn't been finalized yet. We don't think Chris Armas isn't even sure if this game's going to be played. Like, no, no, no. He he, he said it's going. He said it, he was baffled. Okay, yeah, he was baffled okay. at the idea that the fact that it wouldn't be played. Um, so enough. this game is going to be played. And he actually threw out March twentieth as a mm-hmm. potential date. So, but question if, mark still if, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you're Canada soccer, right? Like, as important as this Canadian Championship game is, would you want to hurt your Olympic qualifying chances by, you know, I don't think any Forge players are going to be in the roster based on, you know, maybe a David Chouinier, one of them potentially. But there, there could be a bunch of TFC players that Canada would be hoping for. Would you want to hurt your Olympic qualifying chances by having the Canadian Championship at a time when? you know, the, the Olympic roster would be in camp. It's, it's a really, I mean, obviously all these games need to be played and, and there's going to be so many hurdles for everyone between Chris Armas, Mauro Biello, John Herdman to, to juggle, but it's an interesting thing that they're going to have to figure out. And let's not forget the Olympics might not happen. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I it think it could be pointless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, there's a whole lot of conjecture going on, but I agree with you. I I mean, when you think about the realities of quarantining both ways and and all that other stuff and then match fitness and fixture congestion, um, I'm not surprised because as the calendar kept 
moving towards this eventuality and nothing was happening, I think we could all see over the horizon that this was going to be a disaster that they would have to deal with. And uh, now it is. Um, Very interesting. Um, yeah. One thing I also want to point out was the U.S. dropped their Olympic qualifying roster uh, this week. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is surprising or not, but I think it kind of is a testament to the direction that TFC is heading. There's there's no player under 23 uh, U.S. that, that was named from Toronto FC to that roster. Um, and obviously TFC have been linked with like the, the U S team in, in Canada. And I just, I think we're, we're moving away from that because of, mm. of I think signs like this, like we're going to see eight, nine players potentially at this Canada camp from Toronto FC and zero at the U S camp. So read into that, I guess what you will. It's a fair shout. That's a fair shout. I mean, there's a lot of people that deride TFC for being U.S. men's national team north. And, you know, we certainly, you know, five, six years ago, that was certainly a lot closer to the truth than it is now. It's a good shout, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, at the top? <laughs> well, speaking of, yeah, speaking of young players, uh, there's none more so that made headlines this week than Jaquille Marshall-Ruti for all of the interest that's coming out uh, in terms of, you know, teams acquire, or inquiring about him, uh, scouting him, all those sorts of things. Reports include Manchester United, City, Bayern Munich, Juventus. Um, I've also heard in the past Barcelona have inquired about him. I think the list probably goes well beyond that. Um, obviously it's, it's probably a couple of years before he's, he's able to move over considering, you know, the eligibility rules. We saw that with Jonathan David, we saw that with Alfonso Davies as well, but you know, it's, if you ever wanted more, uh, I guess, proof that this is a special, special player, um, the, the European t- clubs will tell you that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's yeah. played what, like 40 minutes, 400 minutes. What, what's the. 16 minutes, <laughs> 17 minutes, something like that. Um, oh, wow. That's awesome. No, this kid is special. And he uh, got the, the sense of it as soon as he he signed his first team contract. I was there for his first media scrum. I was only like one of two, three people. So perhaps this maybe isn't exclusive. But what I will say is Jaquil Marcel Rudy's favorite club. Just saying, growing up, guess what it is? It's your Manchester United. You isn't it? already know <laughs> it's Manchester United. Um, he said at the Good time. Good idea he's, in 1996. He still, he still loved Manchester United. He still watched their mm-hmm. games. His favorite player on, on the current team was Marcus Rashford. Um, so maybe that is an exclusive, guys. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding. You know, there's a lot of factors <laughs> that go into uh, joining a different club and, you know, which club you're going to choose in, in your future. But what is exciting is that we are having these conversations. And, yeah, there mm-hmm. was the report today. But, yeah, I can confirm that, that these these clubs are definitely interested in, in Jaquil Marsrudi. And they, they were interested in him before he signed his first team contract. So it's not like this year all of a sudden made some dramatic change on, on his trajectory. He's still on his way up. And what I hoping for this season is to get a lot more than 17 minutes out of Jaquil Marshrudi because <laughs> last season just gave when, him one more from well, the 16. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than that, more than that. But yeah, yeah. Um, like last season we saw the likes of like a Subasa Endo taking away minutes from Jaden Nelson. I, I just, I, we can't see that anymore when you think about how highly touted these types of players are. Um, <laughs> if they are as good as, you know, I don't want to, he's, 
nobody expected Fonzie to go over and do what he does, but he's, he's half as good as what Fonzie is. That's 10 times as good as Endo is. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, it's, you might as well invest in, in these kids now, as opposed to playing someone who's 27, 28 years old to get a, a standard. That's this high when the kid will give you a standard. That's a little bit lower, but his ceiling is way higher. So there is that that cost and reward, and I just think that that level that Endo brings is not as high. It's not that drop off is not as steep as perhaps TFC were perceiving it to be. I understand that you have veterans sometimes they earn that that status, but if if you guys really want to move in the direction that you want to move, I, I really think that these minutes now have to go towards a Jaden Nelson, a Jacob Schaffelberg, a Jaquil Marsaruti. It's there's no longer content with with a sixteen year old who's highly touted as Jaquil sitting on the bench for for. But the majority of matches, I think he has to find a way to be, in a way, be a role player this year, especially in a condensed schedule. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Are we in dire straits? Would you say that if we don't do that this year, we're going to lose some of these players? Well, I, I think regardless, we, we just talk about the way Rocco was talking there. I think regardless, we are going to lose some of these players eventually, but perhaps we're going to lose the next Shaquille Marshall-Rudy who, who sees what, yeah, what's happening. Never going to come through. Yeah. With Shaquille. Mm-hmm. And he, you see that he's just sitting on the bench. God forbid his, his value drops a bit and you know, maybe he doesn't get that, that high profile deal that he was linked with earlier because of what's happened here at three FC. And obviously TFC aware of this. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not like, it's not like they're uh, completely oblivious to the fact that Shaquille Marshall-Rudy needs to get exposure and needs to get playing time. It's, it's just, I, I don't know. As a fan, you want to see it more than sooner rather than later, especially mm-hmm, when you see mm-hmm. him linked to, to teams like this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Oh, uh, one thing before we move on to that, I, I remember mm-hmm, on Twitter, mm-hmm. Colin, Colin reached out and he said he wanted to talk about that that Michael Bradley kind of tidbit in, in that Jaquil Marshall Rudy quote. And mm. if you guys missed it, essentially, it was Chris Armis talking about Jaquil. And in, in his quote, he just kind of segued and he said that with young players, it's often about mentality. And he said, Michael Bradley, Michael Bradley never arrives. He's, he's, he's not going to arrive. Um, and I, I, he asked, like, do you know what I mean? And honestly, at first I was like, no, nah, Chris, I, Chris, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> yeah, what I, I actually, <laughs> so what, he never shows up? Like, he does his training? Yeah, and, yeah, I was uh, like, whoa, it's, it kind of sounds like a yeah. slate at Michael Bradley. But, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. When, you, when you actually, like, put it into context, take the full quote and, and understand what he's trying to say, essentially what he's saying is young kids often, when they come in, they have highs and they have lows. Uh, right. They, they come in and they try and, you know, make a, a super impression, go for that full sprint. And then, you know, the, the three hours later, they're not they're not putting up that same kind of consistency with Michael Bradley. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting. He, he never arrived. Like, you, you know what's happening with Michael Bradley. He doesn't need to come in and make a huge impact. You know what you're slotting in with Michael Bradley. And I think that's what Chris Armas was sort of getting there too, Colin. I know you were asking that. Um, mm-hmm. But well, yeah, we might. We might not know what we're getting with Michael Bradley this year because apparently he might be playing a new position. Um, A number of uh, a number of players spoken about by Chris Armas suggest that you know he could they could be used in in different roles this season. I think the one that stood out maybe first and foremost was Bradley. Him saying that Bradley could be played in in a role higher up the field, closer to Boswella, where they could combine up there and create this isn't uh this isn't unknown territory for Toronto FC I remember I think it was 2015 when Jurgen Klinsmann with the U.S. men's national team wanted uh just about want, to say yeah wanted yeah. him to play as a attacking midfielder Toronto FC did that as well and it, 
it went pretty well. I mean, obviously Bradley was, you know, much younger at that point, but five goals, six assists, his most productive season with Toronto FC. Um, but it'll be interesting. Obviously, I, I think I need to see it in, in practice at this point, but it, it's interesting to have a coach that will come in and, you know, not put these guys in maybe the boxes that they've been in for so long that they'll, he'll try different things with a number of players. And uh, I think for a Toronto FC side that we saw maybe, you know, run out of ideas last year, that's, that's positive. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head there when, when Michael Bradley did kind of um, do that back in 2015, the way that the uh, Armis was talking there and he talked about pause and Altador it reminded me of that 2015, 2016, 2017 teams with Seba and Josie up top. Because what we're going to see, you talked about Paz playing a different role. What we're going to see now is I think we're going to see more of Paz as a false nine with Josie Altor still playing striker. So he's going to be almost as a center attack in midfield. From my impression, this is obviously they have a different, couple different ways that they can use this. But mm. uh, from my impression, it looks like Paz is going to be sticking really close to Josie Altor, almost like the way that Seba did back in the day, where he wasn't really a true striker, but you know he's playing forward and he's not going to yeah. come backtrack, right? I think we're going to get that same sort of um, setup there with Paz and Josie up top, and they're hoping the two of them can can link up together and you know recreate some of that that Seba Josie magic. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that and seeing how that plays out. Although we have seen false nine Paz in the past, and it wasn't always roses for for TFC fans. Let's put it that way. And we 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 were pretty adamant about playing Paz as a number ten. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And this is where Bradley kind of comes into play. Paz and Josie, um, we know that they're not the most mobile players. Mm-hmm. While Armis is is quick to to praise Josie for the work that he's doing, the pressing that he's willing to do, he was also open about saying that he understands where Josie Altador is, and it, sometimes like the way that you can load manage these players is by the way that they press without the ball. They often don't have to do too much work. It's just about doing the smart work Mm -hmm. behind those guys though. And this is why you sort of have Michael Bradley playing a little bit up the field is you want your team pressing is you want those teams, your team kind of putting the other teams in corners. And is there anyone who's better pressing than perhaps a, a Osorio Delgado and Bradley midfield in MLS Mm-hmm. those are probably the three of the toughest midfielders in all of MLS to play against. So if you slot those guys behind the, the Josie Paws attack, it, it could be a recipe for success. And that's sort of what the vision that Armis is kind of selling here is um, a team that's really, really hard to play against. And we, we kind of saw that under Greg Vanny in 2019, where they established that identity. But Armis is really stressing the mental side of things. And from all accounts, all TFC players have bought in. He he specifically mentioned Josie, Paz, Azorio, uh, Michael Bradley, Omar, and Chris Mavinga as leading the charge, which is obviously the players that you want to do that. And he was really, really adamant about praising those guys. So I'm really excited to see how TFC respond to all of this because I really do think we're going to get a new look TFC. As Mitch pointed out, it's not going to be the TFC that was in the box. It's going to be a different looking club and excited to see how some of these pieces take on some of these different roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, depth pieces that have caught the attention of Armas include <laughs> uh, a guy, Schaffelberg and Patrick Mullins. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, listen, I, 
Craig's been mm-hmm. asking about him for for a minute, so I think we should we should give him some spotlight here and talk about sure. him a bit. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, Chris Armis was actually probably the first name to come to mind for for Chris Armis is of the depth pieces. Um, perhaps was Erickson Gallardo, and he, similar to sort of last year, we were, we were hearing that Gallardo's having a great preseason. Um, this is the part that really excited me because I I've stressed this so many times. Erickson Gallardo was played out of position, in my opinion, when he was brought on the field last season and even like the year before. He's not a pure outside winger. Can he play that role? Perhaps, but he's best when he's on the shoulder of a of opposite. He's on their, their opponent's back line. And he's trying to get in behind. And he's also this best when he's working without the ball and he, he's capable of doing that even through the middle. And I really think he, he wears that number nine shirt. I really think we have to start playing him almost as that number nine who can play off someone like a Josie Alther and just beat someone with speed. Um, last season going back to last season he was the he was the guy who was kind of playing that role and then he scored his first preseason goal and then he got injured and obviously the pandemic hadn't shut things down but throughout all of that for whatever reason greg vanny was singing praise about erickson gallardo especially in training so is this the year that he finally pieces it all together we know after 2019 he had he had his 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 child and they, they moved to canada he's 23 years old he's completely different life with a baby in a different country in 2020 we had the pandemic but in 2021 we're, we're at excuses here and i think that's what ali curtis said when he spoke to toronto stun is that all options are on the table for erickson gallardo loan options are on the table potentially having him go out alone and come back in later on in the season but also what was on the table is the fact that a new coach could reinvigorate him a new coach could be that spark under under Erickson Gallardo that finally, finally gets him going. Because yeah, when he was brought up, well brought here, he was hyped up, even though you know he was young and he's not. You know, we've debated about him being a TAM signing. Yeah, he was a TAM signing because of the transfer fee, but salary wise, he hasn't been paid like that. So obviously, expectations are really, really high, and I I think TFC also hold that expectation really high. I think this is going to be a crucial year for Erickson Gallardo, and it, it's honestly like make or break. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But I liked hearing. Uh, I liked hearing that he was impressed with Schaff and Mullins. I mean, especially Mullins. I liked. Uh, I liked hearing that he has time for Mullins. For is a, Mullins is a great locker room guy. I remember speaking to him last season, and I was blown away. He's saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. He's kind of mm-hmm. some guy who doesn't get playing time and. I couldn't believe how how professional he was. And shout out to Patrick Mullins because he is a true top class professional, and he's someone on 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 your roster that you love to have because he he's not gonna be uh, he's not gonna fit out of place. He's just gonna make sure he fits in and you know help do what he can to help the team when he understands his role. Um, Armis said he he looks the most settled he's ever seen or felt in his life. Patrick Didn't he Mullen say said, that to him? He actually said that to him. He said, "Yeah, Patrick Mullen said most... that to Armis, yeah, and yeah. Armis said that's translated onto the field." And what's interesting enough is uh, I saw an Instagram. Patrick Mullen's got married this this off season, so ah. perhaps that, that that's you know some of it, some of that maturing, and perhaps that will translate onto the field. So, hey, we we do often are, we're quick to overlook Patrick Mullen's here, and perhaps he, he'll he'll turn a <laughs> few heads. <laughs> Um, nice, Shaft, nice, though, nice. Shaft's a good show. Um, what do you guys think about the year that like Shaft will have this season? He needs to evolve. His game's too yeah. direct. He needs more in his toolbox. Otherwise, I love him. 
Right. I think uh, James Grassi was on here and he said that that's what Greg Vanny challenged him to do last season was instead of taking it down the line every time, you want to have him cut inside sometime, chain things up. Um, I think it, it's a good show that Schaff is kind of included there by Armis. Um, he kind of grouped in there alongside Erickson Gardo as sort of those, um, I guess, players behind the strikers that could, you know, make an impact. Um, Jacob Schaffelberg had a little bit of a down season last season, but if if he can get back on track, that's another good one that TFC have. Yeah, he's got Absolutely. speed that they, again, as, as a team, Toronto FC don't have a lot of team speed there an older side in general in terms of their starters and that, that, that raw speed alone. And we saw, we saw bits and pieces, right? Like obviously we we haven't seen full matches coming out of Canada camp, but um, the, the bits and pieces we saw of Jacob Schaffelberg, he looked like he was taking what Greg Benny was saying and bringing it on board. He won a penalty where he made one of those direct runs inside and, and got taken down. And, you know, pretty much every time we saw him, he was trying to make those more direct cuts to the middle. So um, I think, you know, by all accounts, he's been continuing to do that with with Toronto FC in preseason, and and that's a positive because you know, again, this is a guy who could take that next step and and be you know at least an important depth piece for the club this season. Cool. Well said. Uh, Iowa Canola update. Uh, still injured. Not. Oh, we got a for- we got a Michael Singh injury update. It's been oh, way too wow. long. Let's, let's <laughs> go. Where's the ticker? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so we got Io Akinola, who, when I first heard, I was a little concerned because he wasn't named to the U.S. camp, he wasn't named to the Canada camp, and he obviously missed out on the January Canada camp. So if an injury was keeping you out for three months, or medical issue, whatever it is, is keeping you out for three months, that's a little bit of a concern. Um, but it's we got finally got some good news this week from Chris Armis, who said that he expects uh, Io Akinola to be back mid-March. Um, so that'll be right before the Canadian Championship. Obviously, I really don't expect him to play any sort of role in that um, because I don't know what the injury is, what what the issue was, but um, he obviously has some work to do to get back up to to game speed there. So hopefully he'll be ready by that that Champions League game. If not, I expect him to be back by the start of the MLS season. So that's some really positive news there from a Toronto FC perspective for sure. Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's finish up the show here. I think uh, with uh, with the men's national team news that they're going to play in Orlando. Um, I did want to mention as well. We didn't mention this earlier, but the difference obviously between this men's national team camp one, obviously it's a World Cup qualifier, so top top priority for John Herdman and his staff. The other thing is, can't it is a FIFA window. The Olympic tournament is not an official FIFA event, so. Um, Canada doesn't really have any leverage there with the clubs. They can't, you know, they, they don't have that same leverage that they do with, with a World Cup qualifier where they can just say, you know, Oso's coming. I'm pretty sure, in theory, they obviously, like, you wouldn't want to sour the relationship like this, but France almost did it way back when with Franck Ribéry. You can strong arm a club and they can get suspended mm-hmm. league games if they don't come. So that does exist. I don't, I'm not suggesting it's going to get anywhere near there, but that does suggest for, or that does, uh, that is the case for the FIFA international games versus the Olympic qualifiers. So we do know Canada will be playing in Orlando. The other game is reportedly going to be in Florida as well. So interesting. Four of Canada's last four camps have been in Florida. So it seems like they're making a home there. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's COVID, but also maybe a bit of a positive step that they are comfortable in that state now. That's a good point. Consistency yeah, that's a very good point. there is key. And- 
um, you made some great points about the Olympic roster, and I know you want to wrap up there, but just one more question that I had, and it's it's. I want to talk about the new kit, but I no. guess we're doing that next it, week. It's, so. it's on. It's on that <laughs> consistency matter. It's. Uh, I saw an article today. I think it was MLS Multiplex put it out, and they they were wondering if are the lack of signings from Toronto FC is that a concern to you? And I'll pose that to you guys. Uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts if that's a concern to you. No. Not at all. What? Why is that? Trust the process. Well, one, because of our discussion last week uh, and and the the sort of discussion around this new young DP rule. Two, because pandemic. Um, three, uh, I trust in the process. I mean, you know, we're not going – we're going for players. I mean, Santos Bore is all over South American and Central American news, right? It's, it's, a, it's a high – it's it, it's a target that that a lot of other clubs are looking at, and right. if we want to if we want to swim in that pool, um, you know, you have to you have to accept that, you know, these these things are it's a 50-50 shot, right? And sometimes uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, we've got a summer transfer window. Uh, we're not playing at home. Uh, you know, Chris Armis is is has basically been saying that uh, that there are a lot of distressed assets in in TFC's roster that seem to have turned a corner. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's just a new shiny toy thing. I want the team to perform well, and if that's with our current roster or with the new DP, so be it. But I want the team to perform well, and right now the news is saying the the team is performing just fine. Yeah, it's well said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll key in on that final thing that, that Jeff said, which is, you know, new coach, new outlook on players. I mean, you might as well, when you're building a roster, you might as well see really what you have first before you go out and, you know, acquire, especially, you know, how he wants to play, what players he wants playing certain roles. You know, we could, the club could just bring in a guy. I mean, like Erickson Gallardo, no, no offense to him, but they brought him in and then just really didn't have a place for him in the, in the starting 11 or anywhere in the, in the system. So you might as well wait and see, especially with a player as important as a designated player, where you really need him and where you could use him best. Um, so at the moment, I wouldn't say I'm concerned. Obviously if it comes, you know, July and they still haven't made some moves, you, you want to see them use as much of, of these mechanisms, DP Tam as they can, but at the moment, I think this, this is a solid side, and I think um, for at least the first part of the season, as I've said, uh, I think they'll be just fine with what they have right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of noise on on the forums and 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 you know the general internet, like, well, you know, compared to the other clubs in MLS, we've done nothing. Well, some of those clubs that they're that were being compared against were screaming garbage fires, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's like Cincinnati, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like, well, FC Cincinnati didn't hasn't had a proper functioning roster yet, and we're three <laughs> years into the process. So don't compare us against the team that's consistently like buying out DPs and signing number one draft pro- prospects and then getting transfer requests like a minute later. I mean, we got to It's not a binary argument. TFC's in a much better place. Um, so yeah. you know you got to trust oh. the process and 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 you know look, look, even even clubs like Barca oh Griezmann's available we want him and then where the hell are we going to play him like I you know we're not we're we're not that club um, and we've got to be smarter with our spending especially given the fact uh, you know I Michael Bradley said it everybody said it we don't want to complain about the the added uh, uh, difficulties facing Canadian sides here in this new normal. But it's a reality, and and we don't have to talk about it until we're blue in the face, but we definitely have to recognize 
that it's a reality. And, and, you know, I don't want to overpay for a guy and I definitely don't want to bring a guy in. Um, you know, say we sign Bore to three years, right? And that's the most we're going to get out of a three-year deal. Well, if two of those years are in COVID limbo, is it worth the outlet of cash? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, you know? Yeah, so the, the, those are all factors, and you guys make a bunch of great points. That's still fine. I, I agree with you. And I'll take it even a step further. Toronto FC's roster um, right now, I think they're at 29 out of 30 players. They're bringing back 27 out mm-hmm. of their 30 players. This isn't a team that, yeah, sure, we look at the first-round playoff exit, but if you're using that to, to measure Toronto FC, you're doing it wrong. you got to mm-hmm. look at the, the eight months before that. And in the, that time, that club, Toronto FC, was the best, one of the best in all of MLS. Now, players who played a role on that club, key roles on that club, are not like Michael Bradley last season. He, he had an injury burden season. Did he play a role for Toronto FC? Absolutely. Was he the Absolutely. most significant part of that midfield? Absolutely not. Right? That was Jonathan Azorio, hands down mm-hmm. for me. Um Look up top. Josie Alther is also on the other, other side of 30. He, who, let's say he, he doesn't bounce back next season. You still have the production you got out of Io Akinola that helped you get second in the Supporter Shield race. So banking on zero Josie still gets you second in the Supporter Shield race. Now let's say he gives in, he does bounce back, chips in a couple of goals. Good. You get, you get that bonus from Josie. But then you also think about the likes of Jaden Nelson and the impact that he's going to have next season. And you think about Ayo Akinola getting a year older. You think about Paz getting a, a little bit more acclimated with the squad. Marky Delgado's 25 years old. And forever. Look- he's forever 25. He'll never be 26. <laughs> and then you look at like Omar and, and Chris Mavinga. They, they got games together and they looked they looked when they they did play together they looked really good save for a few plays and a few games but for the most part those guys are two of the top center backs in all of mls so there's something to say about consistency and i don't think it's an issue that tfc are not signing players because they already have those players mm-hmm. again like the roster is at 29 out of 30 i expect that to go down with a few loans could they make this roster better yes but at the same time you we also have to understand like this roster isn't a bad roster. Why would you want it just for the appeal of adding a new shiny toy? You're going to add a new shiny toy. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. I wouldn't trade Nick Deleon for anybody. I wouldn't trade Marky well, Delgado for anybody. Do you know what I mean? Anyone realistic. Like, yeah. Well, in terms of depth player of depth mm-hmm. players, like you're not going to do better than a Nick Deleon. He's a Swiss army knife. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Score screamers all the time. Goal dangerous when he comes on as a, as a, as a, uh, a garbage time sub. I mean, who who's going to replace Magara Keche because he played in La Liga three days? Do you know what I mean? Like Charlie's it's it's <laughs> it's getting too big for our britches. I mean, there are other teams that would kill to have Nick Delion. And sure, we don't have a Walker Zimmerman, but we have an Omar Gonzalez and a Chris Mavinga. So you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, I'd the rather... grass isn't always greener. The grass exactly. isn't always greener. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a perfect summation of it. Absolutely. All right, All right, we should probably, wrap up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably wrap up there. We've gone a, a little bit over time. I will say my We're talking about scenario, kids next week, guys. I'm just <laughs> sorry, fair enough. I will say All my right. dream scenario, I don't even know if this is possible, but since Toronto FC are also playing in Florida, if we hijacked one of Inter Miami's uh signings like they're they're <laughs> he's signing we're just like oh we're playing in florida too why don't you just come play for us would be incredible oh, but you just reminded me um i heard a rumor that the that club de foot also wants to play in tampa 
So do you think that they're they're you know we'll do a scrimmage to help you prepare for the can champ with sort of a way to get in on sharing the field with us? <laughs> and, and they just set up in a locker room. We're not leaving. Yeah, yeah, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. And also, Mitch, uh, credit to you for not taking me to task for sleeping through Arsenal beating your uh, your foxes over the weekend. Let's uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> out there. Did he mute his mic anyway? Uh, <laughs> one more thing. One more thing. Shout out to yeah. Lawrence Simoff for you know getting that assistant coaching vacancy at club to foot hey he might um, be he might be the head coach now we don't know yeah really <laughs> super super excited for him because you know we've had eric g on the, in the past we've had other tfc guests on the past and they've all voiced how important Lawrence simon was in the dressing room and how how much of a leader he was how good he was at keeping things light um obviously with his family situation everything we wish him the best in montreal and and Obviously, when you play us, we wish you the worst. But other than that, <laughs> Lolo, like best of luck for TFC fans, and thank you for that 2019 MLS Cup playoff run. I really wanted him to go to Vancouver, man, do the trifecta. But uh, <laughs> as long as he's still in Canada, we're good. That would have been incredible. Well, we're deep into injury time here. Producer mm-hmm. Sophia has probably fallen asleep, but we appreciate all the <laughs> work that she's done on the show this week. We it was great catching up with Rocco Romeo as well on this week's show, and. Uh, you know, obviously an exciting month ahead. We are, we're so excited for everything that's happening between the national teams and Toronto FC. So we'll have actual games to talk about until next Tuesday.